Welcome to the Creative Finance Playbook, where we'll show you how to buy property without banks or credit using creative finance strategies. Join your hosts, Jen and Joe Delafave, as we embark on a thrilling journey to financial freedom through real estate. With our expert advice and insider tips, you'll learn how to build wealth and achieve your dreams. So tune in and get ready to take control of your financial future. Tuesday, 2 o'clock p.m. Eastern podcast. I'm Jen Delafave. I'm Joe Delafave. And today we are super excited to bring our friend Ray on. He has an incredible story and uh, truly inspirational, but he's also a super funny guy. So I know you guys are going to get kicked out today's episode and uh, get your notepads ready. He's going to drop some gems for you. Thank you, Jen. Joe. Yeah, I was lucky enough to get to meet Ray a little over a year ago at a mastermind that we're all in. And, uh, he sat pretty close to me, the one we did in Jacksonville. And I was like, wow, I got to listen to his story. I'm like, my gosh, just such a cool thing. Got a lot of just tons of value. So bring your pencils and paper today because, like I said, Jen said, this is going to be a great one. So, Ray, welcome. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, dig in. Who are, who's Ray? And uh, Yeah, I kind of look like Ray, but, you know, I'm the new <laughs> Ray now. I lost <laughs> Lost well, the old Ray. <laughs> <laughs> I lost uh, about thirty pounds in the. Oh yeah, you're getting but, buff uh, now. Not yet, I wish. <laughs> but anyways, I came from uh, China about twelve years ago, and um, then I became homeless. And after so many years of trying different things, I started to do land flipping about uh, about five years ago. Uh, now I I flip land full time. Um, you know, it's been a very good thing for me to do because I love freedom and I love to be anywhere, everywhere I want to be. And, uh, I went back to China for two weeks. I did some deals there, uh, even though that was super hard, but, uh, it's definitely doable no matter where you are as far as land flipping. So, and you are, so Ray is an expert at flipping land. Well, can we even break that down real quick? Like, what is land flipping? Flipping land. So if somebody's tuning in and maybe they've bought a rental property, but like, kind of explain a little bit about flipping land. Yeah, there's different strategies of flipping land. What I do is I buy and sell infill lots. Infill lots is in the city and they see a lot of houses in the middle of it. There's a land. That's what I do. And uh, you can definitely do other stuff. There's people... Uh, buying and selling rural land in the middle of nowhere. And there's people buying a huge parcel and subdivide them, uh, which I'm learning right now. Uh, but you can do all kinds of different things. Wow. So in neighborhoods, there's already a bunch of houses, but then you'll find like that one lot that maybe they didn't build on, or there was a house because that happened to us. We had one where they had a fire and they removed the old stuff and it was just an empty lot. Um, yeah. And that was one that we just kind of similar. So. Uh, what Ray's specialty is, what he's talking about, was how to find these in these developed areas and now flipping them. What does that mean? Like you're buying them and like you just. Yeah, buy super cheap. And uh, because a lot of people don't know how much the land is worth, um, not even realtors. Sometimes uh, house investors don't know how much the land is worth. 
but uh, I just look at the land to see if there's any value. And if there is, uh, I just uh, negotiate very hard uh, yeah. using my strange accent. Maybe they fall in, in love with it, but yeah. maybe I that's think how I got the discount. <laughs> but uh, uh, I bought the land so cheap. Uh, some people think I'm lying to to do something. And uh, for example, uh, I just closed the deal. The land worth about a seventy-five thousand. Uh, I bought it for fifteen thousand. So you know, wow, are like that every day. So the neat thing about land is there's no roof, there's no windows, right? There's no how's the foundation, how's the electric? There's none of that. No squatters. <laughs> yeah, no toilets, no trouble. Yeah. <laughs> So I want to dive into that. Definitely do. And by the way, Ray, you are getting some shout outs. I say, let's, let's go. Ray, Ray is the man. Mm -hmm. So you're getting a lot of love already. So okay. there's a bunch of people who already know you, but for some of the people who maybe just are seeing Ray for the first time, what were you doing before you came to America? You were living in China. Uh, I was a professional game gamer. Uh, I was playing a game called Counter-Strike, you know, shoot each other. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I was like, you know, this game is fun with the guns, and uh, I, I don't, I didn't know one day I, I could own some real gun. And uh, I think when I was, when I was there, a guy inspired me. His name is uh, Donald Trump, and either you like him or not, uh, but uh, he inspired me to, to, to know more about America, you know, and it's a land of freedom, everything. And that's, that's why I came here. So you come to America. And so you come with family, friends. Did you know anybody here? What was that like? Uh, I wish I know you. I can stay with you for a little bit. <laughs> and and uh, I just went back to uh, went to Hawaii to study without knowing anyone. And uh, at the beginning, it was tough, and nobody understood uh, what I was talking about. You know, but I kept talking. I don't care, right? So. And uh, they don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what they're saying. But after about two years, we can kind of communicate. Um, but that was that was hard at the beginning. Uh, you know, right now I can understand you guys about twenty percent. Twenty percent. I was gonna say it's gotta be between <laughs> like twenty thirty, right? <laughs> I, I grew yes. up in a family from Italy with super thick Italian accents, mm -hmm. and half of the stuff Grandpa and Grandma were saying, I didn't know either. So uh, I totally understand. So you're living now in Hawaii. Are you going to school, or what are you doing there? Uh, I was living in Hawaii, yeah, and uh, I went to school, and then. I got married. I stayed there and started to flip cars. And uh, at the beginning, I was just uh, grab free stuff on the street and try to sell them because I didn't have money. And then I saved uh, some money. I started to flip cars. And that's a better thing to do. And uh, when <clears throat> I was doing cars for about six years, um, I had some free time because of the time difference, right? Uh, right now, Hawaii is five hours behind Eastern time. Uh, so I was like, there's something else I should do. So I start to learn about land flipping in the early morning. Like I wake up at five, it's already 10 a.m. here. So before I go to work, I start to flip land. So you're flipping cars first. And I'm going to get into this too, because I remember you talk about this. So you were first before even cars, you're getting stuff off Craigslist for free. Yeah. Picking up your car. Yeah. Yeah, for Craigslist, Facebook, or whatever I can get for free, and then I sell them. You know, that's what I love about America. People give out 
good things for free, right? In China, forget it. You know, you may get a rock for free, right? That's about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so now you're, you got into cars and I remember at one point I'm like, wow. So how many cars were like you flipping like one a month or did you have more than one car you're flipping at a time? Yeah. I remember, uh, I parked all my cars and, uh, on campus, right? So me and my partner, we have 85 cars in the parking lots in the campus. That was 85, 85. How did you get away with yeah. that? Because I gonna, went to college and getting one permit is like hard. Yeah, we, we didn't get away from it because one time, one day it was during summer break. All the students are gone. And uh, mm. the principal came out of his house, which is across the street of the parking lot. And he's like, why do we have so many cars? And uh, I thought everybody left. So he called the security and the security look at the footage. There's two Asian guys driving, you know, one is BMW, the other is Benz, just circling around the cars every single day. So they kick us out, actually, uh, after they find, they find out. Yeah. How dare they? All right. But <laughs> talking about being such, like, this is why I love your story, because, yeah. like, talking about being resourceful since day one, you're finding free stuff that they're giving away on Craigslist and on Facebook and the free sections, there's tons of them. And then you're selling that, raise some capital to start flipping cars. Got to the point where you have a fleet of cars. Great. I used to work at a car dealership to have 85 cars in your inventory of used cars. That's fantastic. And all my car friends listening, you know, they're doing some great business. So mm. you get kicked out, but you're learning land in the meantime. Right. Uh, so what is that like? Um, you know, it was hard. Uh, I got kicked out. I had to go back to China uh, because I don't have the right visa anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I came back with a tourist visa. Uh, and uh, I just came here and I met my wife, who is American. So we got married and uh, she saved me. Um, I started to flip cars again. And then uh, after a couple of years, I started to flip land, right? Yeah. And I want to dial back to that. So obviously you're showing like the tenacity, the grit, the, you know, you're literally taking nothing and turning it into something, but then now you've got a job and you're getting up five o'clock in the morning to work until, you know, a little bit later. And that says so much because I think a lot of times like the average person, they'll sleep in almost past their alarm clock and they're rushing out the door and then, you know, they hate their nine to five and they're barely making ends meet. So to share this story, like, I hope it people kind of opens their eyes a little bit, because if you take that time, even when you think you don't have it and you make that time, you know, tell us a little bit more about, you know, the, the money that you're able to make and helping these people out that are just sitting on land that they're not doing anything with. Mm. Yeah, everything you want is in the planning, right? And uh, uh, you just have to see a little bit further than what you have right now. If your business is doing good right now, you know someday it will be not very good. So you have to plan ahead of time, not during the hard time. So that's what I did. Uh, my business in the car flipping business was very good. I thought I was making little money, but apparently I was making a lot more than the normal dealership. Uh, but... Uh, Really? Uh, you didn't yeah. have any of the overhead. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You have to pay the uh, lot boys. Yeah, there's no there's no lot attendant. He's doing that. He's doing sales. I mean, he's doing the DMV yeah. work. He's wow. doing all of it. And okay. there's no like fancy dealership to have to pay every month for rent because he's parking them in creative places. Yeah, it's all free parking. 
but um, land, land business um, is much better than cars because once you leave your territory, you cannot do cars anymore, but you can still do land. Uh, you can do it nationwide, no matter where you are and no matter where the market is. So you can do it when you are somewhere in the world and you can do it anywhere in the country. So that's why I love land flipping. And the, the most important thing is people don't have emotion attached to land. So they don't care about those land. They, they mm. just want to toss it away. I got uh, five parcels for free. I posted a video the other day. Uh and the land literally worth a hundred thousand total five of them and uh i paid closing costs plus some back taxes and uh, there's another survey i have to pay about 7500 and uh so that's almost uh, you know no more than maybe a, a thousand percent return uh it's you know just people don't 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 really want their land um small portion of them don't want it but well, and that's a great example because when I'm trying to buy somebody's house, sometimes, you know, maybe it's, they don't have much of a tech, but usually they do. They're very emotionally attached emotionally to that. Attached, and they yeah. feel like because it's their house, it's worth more many times. But what you're saying is with a parcel of land, you know, between two houses, it's just some grass, mm -hmm. maybe not even, maybe just dirt. Right. And yeah. so it's hard to have that personal attachment just to a bunch of dirt. And so that's maybe why you're able to get these discounts and, <clears throat> Obviously, they still have to pay for taxes and stuff. Why the, it's just sitting there is dirt, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, people don't like the land for different different reasons. Some people think you know the land costs them money. Some people think you know why my dad gave me this piece of junk, right? So some people just don't don't want it, and they don't care how much they get, and they don't know how much the land has appreciated, right? So uh, there are many many land. Yeah, absolutely. The good thing about about land is another thing is you can start from any budget. Uh, with houses, uh, of course, you can do wholesaling, but it's very hard right now. Um, but with land, you can start with a couple hundred if you don't have a lot of money because some land is just, it's just that cheap. So if you were in Hawaii, like where, where did you start looking at to flip land? Was it in Hawaii or did you look at different states? Yeah, I was my first land was in Colorado. Uh, it's out of nowhere, five acres. I bought it for a thousand. I sold it for twenty five hundred. And then uh, I discovered this guy who owned about three hundred parcels in the same area. So I bought uh, one hundred fifty of them, uh, wow. ten at a time. And uh, I wasn't sure if that could sell, but I sold everything within four months. Wow! Wow! Uh, so talking about finding one seller turned into a little bit of a gold mine for you. Absolutely. And there is something like that in any county. And uh, right now I do deals in Hawaii too, but not just not in the, uh, the Honolulu. Uh, okay. The expensive one. It will have some cheap island in Hawaii. So I buy them for like 10 grand, sell them for 30, 35. Mm -hmm. Now, when you buy the land, are you having to do anything to it? Because it's obviously it's not like a house, right? So do you have to like mow the lawn? Is that about it? Uh, no, I just have to look at the Google Earth. Right, that's a, that's about it. I look so, at what is it like on Google Earth. That's it, right? Yeah. And uh, and I don't need to mow a lawn. I don't hire people to 
to do anything. Uh, right now, I'm kind of learning uh, how to add more value by subdividing them. But even subdividing them, you don't have to do a lot of work. You just have to hire a survey and the survey, you know, kind of do their drawing and they submit it. That's it, right? So for the uh, small minor subdivision. Uh, but majority of the time, I've never been to the land I've flipped. I've been to about less than 10 of them. I've well, I definitely want you to share one story because I caught you in your Instagram stories one time and you had a seller, I believe, that didn't think you were real or they, they thought you were a scam. <laughs> and uh, yeah. you actually hopped on an airplane and showed up. And did you, I think you got that land deal. Do yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, that happened uh, for some time. And uh, sometimes, you know, I get bored at my home. I start to, to, to get bored. To, because, you know, I don't go anywhere, right? So Florida, the place I'm at is kind of boring, Jacksonville, right? So sometimes I want to go travel somewhere. So I, I just go to the, the the seller's home and surprise them. And uh, sometimes there are old people uh, they just don't trust our young guys. And uh, I showed up and show, show how sincere I am, you know. Uh, and then they they gave me the deal. And uh, one time I show up at this uh, old guy's home in New York. And uh, <clears throat> I bought the land for 30000 the land worth seventy, And uh, I put it under contract. And then I left. And in the same exact afternoon, another guy flew from other state to him and to try to get the land. But he was about a couple hours late. Oh, my Jeez. gosh. I don't remember that part. <laughs> yeah. I remember you actually, Jen showed it to me, yeah. like you actually living it live. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like you're going to New York. Now, was this lot in New York or was it in Florida? It was in Florida. So and, you uh, found a guy who lives in New York but has got a lot in Florida. You yeah. guys are chatting, and did he think you were like a scam at first, or he didn't believe you, or? Yeah, he. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure why. Maybe my accent again. Uh, every time he just had my, my phone, when he hear my voice, no matter what phone I, phone number I use, I was like, "This is un, unbearable, right? I gotta go talk to him." So I flew there, and uh, we got the under contract, and I said, "I'm hey, I'm the guy who always try to call you." And uh, we we just got on the contract. That's just crazy, though. Somebody else was on their way. So if you had caught a different flight or didn't go at all, then you wouldn't have had that deal. Well, and did it kind of take it a little bit further? Like, so, Ray, what happened if you flew all the way up to New York? And he said, no. You spent a couple hundred dollars and you spent your day, right? Like, so yeah. you took Right. So that's what's cool about it, though. And I, I give you a ton of credit because is me buying deals for a long time to fly to another state because you saw that there was an opportunity that much like you went and did it. So talking about the definition of just taking massive action, guys, there's a reason why, you know, Ray went from moving to America, not knowing how to really speak and communicate well to or now here he is flying all over America, buying people's lots and getting that under contract for 30,000. Did you mention? And how much did you sell that for? Uh, about 70. Oh, 
I mean, and, I would love to do that with a whole house, but you got some dirt, right? Yeah. So and uh, and after I bought the land, <clears throat> I didn't just flow back. I bought a car locally in New York, and of course. Uh, <laughs> and I drove back. The car profit covering the entire cost of the trip, and also more uh, two thousand profit just on the car. Uh, you know, minus all the the costs of the flight costs, the fee. The, the lunch, dinner, everything. I hope you're writing a book. <laughs> right. So that's what why I said everything you want in is in the planning, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I didn't just fly there to meet him. That was part of the plan. Um, but if I don't meet him, first I'll get a car. The car is a profit. And I'll drive back. On the way home, there's a lot of states I'm crossing. I'll go look at other sellers. So I, I have to catch someone. Yeah, so we have a great question. How did you convince him to trust you when you were there in person versus when you were calling him on the phone, he would just hear your voice and hang up on you? Yeah, <clears throat> um, you know, just be sincere when you meet him in person, right? And uh, you think about them, not about you, right? So if you think about you, you'll be like, how, about, how much you want to sell the land, right? And if you're sincere, you just care about them naturally. And uh, you do a lot of mirroring, right? So that's how you trust, again, again trust. Mirroring means whatever he does, I'll do the same, right? And uh, so this guy, he is kind of old, so he couldn't stand for a long time. So he came out of his door and he just sat on the porch and uh, I sat with him. And uh, if he do this, I'll do this, right? I don't care, right? My head is scratched. I have to scratch my head too, right? <laughs> so, you know, you just mirror them. And uh, when people see, this guy's kind of like the little me, right? And uh, they will certainly trust you. So this takes a lot of uh, small things, right? So did you just happen to know that? Or did you read that from somewhere? Yeah, I read it from somewhere. Uh, maybe one of the negotiation books. Uh, I forgot the name. Uh, but yeah. I, I mean, maybe maybe that's a never split the difference. Maybe that's mm. the one. Yeah. I was gonna say, you know, you you tend to like to read a lot of books. Do you find that it helps you in this career path? Yeah, definitely. And uh, when we practice what we learn on the books to the real life, is really powerful. And uh, if you just sit there and read, that's probably don't do do you nothing, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was hard at the beginning. That's why a lot of books in China were not published, right? So mm. um, that's why I, I I buy a whole bunch of books here, even though I don't know what the hell he's talking about. But I still mm. keep reading, right? So there you go. Well, sometimes too, I feel like you could be reading a book and you know it doesn't doesn't speak to you until the time is right. Like I felt like that with Think and Grow Rich, which I'm sure you read at this point. And a couple mm. times I pick it up and I'm like. All right. And then Joe's like, no, it needs to talk to you. And so finally in 2020, it was talking big time to me. And that was when we took our business full time. So if anyone is like not a reader, like Ray's saying, like keep reading and, and then take the action of what it's saying. Eventually it starts making sense. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We have some good questions popping up here. So I'm going to throw this one up here. Why would people sell you land cheap? In this person's area, the town appraises lands and the appraisal is public information. The owner could check there. Yeah, first of all, um, the price value is not the our actual market value. So we get a natural advantage because normally the market value is higher than the price value. Mm 
So even though a lot of the landowners think their land is worth the price value, if they happen to sell it to you at that price, you instantly get some profit in most of the cases, right? However, I don't pay the appraised value. I pay a lot cheaper than that. Uh, as far as why, everyone is different. Everyone has some reason. Maybe they don't like their land for some reason. Maybe they have some trouble in their family or their life. They need money. So everyone's reason is different. But if you have a land and a house and you happen to have a family problem, which one would you sell first? Hmm. Right? You probably won't sell your house. You'll sell your land first, right? And um, and uh, maybe they want to sell their car too. And bingo, I got both of them, right? So um, it's just that, that people don't have a lot of attachment to their land. And uh, most of the cases, people really don't know if their land uh, is worth how much because they hold, they bought it 20 years ago for like a couple grand. Now the land worth 60,000. 60, they, they don't even know, right? Well, and I think about the land deals that we've done. I mean, Jen legitly found one on Facebook Marketplace because she was looking through like garage sale thing and found a lot. And she looked at me, she's like, Joe, this seems really inexpensive. They wanted $9,000 for it. We knew we negotiated. They, at least they would take us 8000 but we bought it for 8000 We sold it for $26,000. Hmm. Um, and sure. when we drove by the lot, there was actually like a for sale sign, like a handwritten for sale sign by owner. Hmm. There, tons of cars are driving by, but nobody called the people and knew there was a deal just sitting right in front of everybody. Another one that we did, there was a house that burned down. The house was vacant. I mean, the house was cleared out. It was just grass at this point in a village of a college town where there's really not many open lots left. Mm -hmm. And same thing, little beat up um, sign that Jen found when we were driving down the road, leaving a property deals. we just bought. <laughs> And same thing, I think we bought that for 12 and sold that for 26 or 7, same mm -hmm. thing. And then our best land deal was one that somebody, um, there was a, a, somebody passed away and this was part of the estate and all the kids were selling off all of the stuff. And this was like the last parcel and we ended up buying that one for 60,000 and sold that for 133. So um, mm -hmm. on that one, we were actually, it was 20 acres. We were planning on building a house on it at one point, but then when COVID happened and we realized well, there were in, palm trees in New York state. <laughs> yeah. So we sold that and did well. So, but I think it dials back to the point of we're in this business. So we can see things differently than the average homeowner landowner. Like you, they said, you said they don't know what they're sitting on, but they're not eat, breathe, sleep, real estate. Whereas as us, we have like a different lens on, I feel like, would you say that's mm -hmm. true? Yeah. Also p different people value things differently. For example, this pair of glasses I just got from China and uh, if I bring it here to a, to a Costco, you might think this pair of glasses is worth $200 and people are willing to pay for it. However, I bought it for $30 in China and uh, with the glasses and how much it was worth to the seller who sold it to me, right? And uh, that might be five bucks when he bought it. So uh, it's just the same thing with land. To the builder, the land worth a lot of money. And to me, the land worth not too much money. And uh, to the seller, maybe worth even less. And uh, I'm just the guy who try to bring it to the real value. And the same thing with everything you see, right? Well, and that's part of it. So the one thing I've always learned 
is people will definitely trade dollars for speed and convenience many times. And if somebody, if I have something I'm just sitting on that, like, I'd love to sell it, but I'm not actively pursuing it. And then somebody calls me or reaches out and said, I want to buy this and here's some cash, a check, but you know what I mean? Here's money for it. I, mm -hmm. I want to buy that. That's made my life a lot easier. Absolutely. And, and for a lot of people, there's also tax write-offs, things like that, right? Mm -hmm. There's many other benefits to why maybe selling a parcel at a big discount brings value into what they're trying to do. Um, I know you mentioned I mentioned one story. You bought like a hundred thousand dollar lot for like seventeen hundred dollars because of the lady was able to write off some of the losses because she was planning on building there. Do you remember that yeah. story? Yeah, she paid one hundred twenty five for the lot. It's an oceanfront, and uh, she was willing to give it uh, sell it to me for seven hundred dollars. That's what it was. And, and uh, she wants a, a tax write off, right? And um, you know, so people are selling the land for different price for, for different reasons. And uh, people are willing to sell their land with, like you said, to trade for speed and and, uh, and the cash. And uh, that's why every time I go buy a car, I get cash and I count in front of them. One, two, three, four, five, six, you see? One, two, three, four, five, six, and they look at the cash and they forget about how cheap they bought, they sold, sold, sold the car. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Money talks, buddy. <laughs> Certainly does. <laughs> See, you know the language just fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hundred dollar bills. Yeah, exactly. Um, what channels are you using to sell land? Uh, I just use a realtor to sell it for me. Keep it. Uh, yeah, and uh, that's why I can do it nationwide and in many counties uh, because I don't have to worry about building a cash buyer list. Yeah, that's smart. Yeah, so cash, are you yeah. are you doing like a flat fee where you list it yourself? Or are you actually hiring a local boots on the ground, local realtor professional to help you with that? Yeah, I, I will hire them before I buy it and uh, let them check the land if there's anything wrong before I actually pay for it because I don't want to buy the land and there's something I don't know uh, because yeah. I'm not going to go there and check it myself. So. Uh, they tell me how much they think the land is worth. So if we want to sell it fast, and they tell me a number, I compare that number to the purchase price. And if they tell me the number is too low, I'm buying it so high, I'm not going to pay for it. Right. So here's what Ray's talking about: is he finds a local professional, an actual realtor, boots on the ground, makes that relationship before he even buys the land. He's checking it through them, which we always recommend with our clients that we work with. Like if you're working on a deal, check with a local realtor, get some feedback on what they feel the area is like. And when you're doing it nationwide, one little pocket could be completely different from another. So you really want to find that local expert and get their opinion. And then obviously if you're able to make that deal, buying it, you're using them to sell it for you. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, they, they, they do, they, they're willing to do that. Yeah. So, uh, is there a special way you find this investor-friendly realtor? Do you have to like call a whole lot, or how do you? What's your best? Tell us your tricks. <laughs> yeah, that would cost you money. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. Yeah. yeah. So I normally just look at who sold land nearby. There you, you go. Know? And uh, I don't want to experiment any new people. And uh, you know, just like a uh, uh, human being. Once they have done something great, they will most likely always keep doing great things. Uh, with the realtor, it's the same thing. They sold a lot of land nearby, 
and uh, most likely they know the area a lot more. So I don't trust realtor who tell me, hey, Ray, I know the entire county. Just tell, tell me any deal you have. Uh, they probably don't. They only know the area they sold the land at. Yeah. So you're finding local professionals who really dive into that area. You've had that relationship. Now, one of the questions, mm -hmm. um, which we'll show right here, what do you use to determine the actual market value of the lot? Well, that's the feedback rate getting from the realtor, am I right? And they're telling you like, hi, Ray, I think this property could sell for $70,000. And now you've compared, you've got an offer for $30,000. you are like, hey, high five, that's a deal. But they're also going to let you know, like, you know, in Florida, there's like weird things like scrub jay lots and all these other things. What? There's certain birds. And if yeah, they're found to be birds? on this. Birds. Birds or turtles. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And if they find that these same thing with the bald eagles, if there's a bald eagle on this plot of land, like forget ever developing it. I mean, I've heard of like the, what's it called where it caves in? Oh, sinkholes. Sinkholes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see a lot of that in Florida? Yeah. In some certain part of counties, uh, that's what you don't know, right? You buy a land with a turtle on it and uh, you have to migrate them first. Oh. And, and have you had to do that? I, I know I know that before I bought it, so oh, okay. I, I didn't have to do it. Uh, so here's the thing. We have three layers of safety before you actually buy the land to know exactly you are not losing money. So the first layer is your offer price. And uh, when you buy a land, uh, we make offers based on the market value. We make half of the market value. So once people want to sell their land for half of the market value, and uh, they sign the contract, you're very safe, right? But that's not the end. So if they agree on your per offer price, and the second layer is I call them back and I renegotiate again based on the half of the market value. So I try to get even more discount. And if they ever agree, I use that number to compare what the realtor has to tell me. So the realtor, normally they don't believe me how much I bought the land for. And normally there's so much cheaper than the market value. So, you know, less likely you lose money. And then once you have it under contract, you're probably doing a little bit of due diligence with the realtor to make sure there's not turtles or birds or weird things yeah. on the lot to make sure that at that price you have, you've got a clean deal. And once you close on it, you're able to then list it right away with that realtor. Am I right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Is yes. that like an average turnaround time from when you get it under contract to when it typically sells? I mean, I know it can be kind of a crapshoot. But... Yeah. So to close the deal on each side is about two to three weeks. And uh, to list the land and sell it uh, typically is very fast. Um, right now, uh, you know, we sell it very fast because we list it very cheap. Right. We don't mm -hmm. try to um, market the land as a market value. We listed slightly below it so everyone else is selling for let's say 50 grand we list it for 45. nobody can compete with us uh, why i'm able to list it for 45 because i bought it so cheap so uh it's all traced back to the beginning right? yeah so the money's made not when you're selling guys it's when you're buying mm. right and by ray buying it right it gives them that flexibility to sell it less than the market value is to move it quickly too, because obviously you don't want to be sitting on a whole bunch of land 
for months and months and months and not selling right and then dropping you know 500 bucks at a time price it right get it sold quick and move on to the next deal mm. yeah right now i do hold a lot of land right now um because some area just uh, so promising right and even another 2008 come uh i i think i'm not going to lose money because i bought it so cheap yeah right um but there are some areas in texas uh the land used to be worth like two grand three thousand right now the land is worth fifty thousand i wish i didn't flip them right so i i sold them all but what if i i buy a hundred of them i hold them <laughs> you know that'd be crazy right yeah that's always a dilemma right like we look at each other like are we gonna hold this are we gonna assign it you know and it's like you know you always wonder like our land and, and the one we sold for 130 the 20 acres would that be worth oh, now I, know. I bet you that thing would all day eclipse 200,000 that yeah. we bought for 60,000 and which is 20 acres in New York but this is upstate New York where right. Yeah. Land in upstate New York is, believe it or not, pretty inexpensive. Everybody hears New York. They think New York City, big buildings. Where we come from, there's like cows. Um. <laughs> right up top, girl. Well, we both lived there for a long time. <laughs> uh, but that's what it is. So you could get farmland. Um, I'm looking at a house right now. It's on 12 acres for $200,000. Yeah. Yeah. You guys must have a script in front of you. Oh, we do. You're, you're <laughs> telling on us now. So do you have a favorite deal or like one that you're like oh man like i'll never forget this deal um i just lost deal that one was something i i will not ever forget right mm -hmm. um so of course there's advantage you can renegotiate i almost all the time get it however once i lose this one time it feels really hurt so uh, I mailed uh, Connie in South Carolina, the land, each acre worth about 10,000 each acre. And uh, this, this owner has 80, sorry, uh, 70 acres total. And uh, conservatively speaking, the land worth 400,000, right? And uh, I asked her how much you want to sell the land for? That's always the thing you want to say first. You don't want to just make an offer, even though that offer may be low. So you always want to ask their expectation. So I asked her and she said, I want a thousand per acre. I thought I heard it wrong. I said 70,000 total, right? Because a thousand acre times uh, 70 is 70,000. So she said, yes. And uh, then I got greedy, right? I said, you know, what if I pay you cash or, you know, whatever, all those questions, right? And then she uh, told me, I will sell it to you for 600 an acre. I said, deal, no problem. I will drive it to you right now. Uh, she said, yeah, just hold a minute. Uh, we have a party today. Uh, it was on Friday. Let me let me get back to you on, on Monday. I said, okay, fine. You know, I was very happy over two days, right? That could be the biggest deal in my life. You know, you buy it for 70 grand and sold it for 450,000. That's crazy, right? So I was very happy. And on Monday, I was sad, right? She sold it to someone else. She called someone else. And this lady, another investor, didn't ask her how much she wants. 
She just said, I'll give you 250,000 for the land. Oh. And uh, she, she actually bought it, right? And uh, so the lesson here for me and for her, right? So for the other buyer is never give the offer price first. And for me, it was whenever you negotiate, uh, you think you have a deal, don't don't wait, right? Uh, so I let it wait. Um, I, I knew that before actually I do it, but I was like, you know, I couldn't lose it. I feel so confident. Yeah, um, I learned this saying a long time ago is time kills deals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so once you find a good deal, like I want it written up yesterday. And it stings. So we've definitely been there. So but yeah. those are yeah. some of the, the biggest lessons you learn are not just the deal that you did. Sometimes it's the one that got away um, because those are equally as valuable to learn from. And obviously sometimes a little bit more painful too. So looking back, like what would you do differently if you were in the same situation this Friday and the lady says, Oh yeah, definitely. But I got a, I have a party. I'll get back mm. to you Monday. How would you handle it now? Yeah. I don't care what party you have, you know, <laughs> I'm going to drive to you right now. And, uh, <laughs> and if you tell me you're right, I kind of don't like your price. No worries. You know, let's talk in person. Right. So I'm going to meet her for sure. Right. Yeah. So get in the car and drive to South Carolina quickly. <laughs> Go sign yourself up while you're there. Maybe buy another car on the way back. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, yeah, That's it's true. You might be talking to other people. You never know. We've had friends too where, you know, because they were there with the contract, they got it signed while the other person was driving around the neighborhood, checking out the neighborhood and literally lost the deal. So you just, uh, you got to be really mindful of that. Yeah. House is even faster. If, yeah. you, if you're doing houses, um, those things happen a lot, even more, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so you are on the Creative Finance Podcast. So, the, of course, the seller financing question is popping up. Um, have you ever done any seller finance deals uh, where you typically just pay cash? And, you know, what do your numbers look like if you do? Yeah, I do pay cash. and uh, But if I do the subdividing, I might have to sell it on seller financing. And uh, I have... A lot of friends who does that, and they make a lot of good cash flow. Mm -hmm. uh, that's all very good. They buy the land for cash, uh, let's say for $5,000, and they sell it on terms for a couple hundred. That's a long time for a couple hundred dollars. Right. I think we lost you on that last part, right? Can you say that last part again? I don't know if it froze or we froze. So you say they buy for 5000 and then they sell it on terms? Yeah, they sell it on terms for 10 years, 20 years. Every single month you get paid for a couple hundred dollars, right? So you uh, buy it for five, sell it for like 25 and then take it on payments? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's something, you know, land guys could do. Yeah. So do you prefer cash or do you like some of the seller finance deals when you're buying? Uh, on the small deals um, for the couple thousand, I, I, I hate those cash flows. Uh, you know, the, the, they're always default. Um, they, they're nowhere to be found. Right. And uh, but on the big land, let's say they have to put a certain amount of money up front, the land worth, let's say, a hundred thousand. And uh, they have to pay thirty thousand. Normally, those guys will not go away, right? If the land worth ten thousand, you they pay five hundred upfront. You know they may be missing tomorrow, right? 
So the big money down guys keeps them more into the deal because they've got something to lose now. So on some of these bigger deals where they are putting down a large chunk, they're more likely to pay you because they're afraid to lose that big chunk of money. But if you're dealing small little lots that don't cost a lot, collecting a $500 down payment, if they don't pay you, they lose a lot. They're only losing the 500. So, I mean, that could be good and bad though too, because you could just resell it over and over again, but yeah, it's still, that's work too. Yeah, you kind of you kind of wish they don't pay, you know. At times, yeah. Mm-hmm. So skin of the game is what they call that. That makes sense. So here you phrase. are. Think about this, guys. A young man in China, as a professional gamer, and if I'm ever getting to play that game, you're going to be on my team just so we win. Um, but you come to America and turned what you came from into legitly the American dream of being self-employed growing your business, doing land deals all over the country, traveling. So what does your business look like today as far as what your life is like? Yeah, uh, about four months ago, I really committed to do more deals. Uh, That's why I sent a lot more mailers back in October, right after we met in the mastermind. And uh, then since then, I got about 130 deals in the past four months. Um, of course, drain, it drains a lot of cash, but those deals are are pretty good. Um, you know, it's worth about 1.3 million right now. Just I got from, from the last three months. I paid about 450,000 for all. Wow. Them. Yeah. So you paid 450,000, and it's going to turn into a 1.3 million dollar total. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on marketing mailers, approximately how much are you spending? Just to kind of give people a picture of like, when you say you sent a lot, like what is that? What is a lot? I used to send about 20,000 mailers per month. Uh, but the Ooh, last four, that four, is a lot. <laughs> yeah. The last four months, I've signed about 100,000 mailers per month. Oh. Yeah. 100,000. And what does mailers. that cost approximately? About 60 cents each. Okay. All right. So about 60,000 a month you spend on marketing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but right now I kind of slow down again, you know. Um, right now about fifty thousand mailers per month. Um, but uh, you know, you don't have to start there. Uh, you can start with a couple thousand, and you can still get a lot of deals. You know, land is easy compared to houses, but it will not be easy five years later. So everyone is doing land, right? It will be a day like that. Yeah. Right, like wholesaling kind of took off in the last couple of years. And so how are you funding your deals? It's a great question we had just come in. Yeah, I just borrowed money from Joe, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm not seeing the return. <laughs> yeah, so I, I got some money on the side. I don't use. Um, you well, know, OPM? <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's better than cash, you know. Uh, another thing I want to talk about is <clears throat> I see a lot of people falling because they earn money and then they. Oh. We had connection, Jacksonville. Is that Jacksonville Wi Fi? Hold on. Yeah. They, they, okay. We, yeah, we they, lost you. You were going to say something really important and then you cut yeah. out. 
Yeah, some people earn a lot of money in their business, but they don't know how to invest it, right? Oh. Uh, we just had a, a Chinese guy. He earned so much money in this big factory, and now he's bankrupt uh, because he invests all his money inside his own factory again when he actually earned those money. So uh, once you earn money from land flipping, let's say you have a couple grand, couple thousand, couple hundred thousand laying on the side, you know, you should buy different things, not just land, right? And uh, then um, when you have used the profit to fund your investment, invest, investment is something you own, you don't sell. And the, the land flipping is something you buy and sell, right? Mm -hmm. So that should be separate. Uh, you should do it in the separate mind, right? And uh, you don't want to just pour everything in land, right? So diversifying your profits even right you say you take profits and you're reinvesting it so yeah and then using you're also using some cash to bankroll your business which is also creating profits too so now you're able to have multiple streams of income absolutely yeah that's really wise advice too because like you could build a huge business but then you know it's really easy to also lose it all if you don't have things planned out which you've you know reminded all of us that it's all in the planning that's how you become super successful yeah, so, because yeah, business has seasons, so you never know when you'll go, go something like COVID, right? So nobody yeah. expected yeah. that. So let me ask you, you probably get all the time, right? Like you must know the best spot to buy land or you must have some secret thing. So when somebody's looking for their first land deal, are there certain things they should look for that will be helpful and mindful for them? Uh, I will certainly look for uh, the migration trend. Uh, for example, you want to follow where people are moving to, not moving from, right? So don't buy land in New York, inside New York City, right? Uh, people are leaving, right? So you want to move to, you want to target areas where people is migrating to, right? For example, I just opened a market this morning. It's Idaho. And uh, Idaho is the number one, could be the number one uh Best, best economy in, in across the country, right? So uh, where is the, why the economy grows is because of job growth and job growth follow people, right? So you just have to look at where people are moving to and not moving from. Right, so where they're moving to, obviously they're having to house more, build more, develop more. They're gonna be a, a rise in population, which means this land is now gonna be worth more too. And, developers might be wanting to build on it. And if it's what you target in populated areas between houses, just that vacant lot, that lot's going to have a house on it one day, probably. Right. Um, yeah. And then some other people like to invest with buying acreage, plenty of acreage further away from population where maybe now they're looking for either a second home or some hunting land. So there's also that part of it too, but it sounds like you really look for that one certain thing, info lots, growing areas, which is very smart. Yeah, and that was kind of a question. So I want to fill it up there, how you're kind of setting yourself up like a buy box, researching the, the up and coming areas, like you said, because so like when you say New York, people live in New York City, but upstate New York, where we're from, like houses aren't lasting. So I'm sure land value is probably. Yeah, so and that's what's kind of interesting. I talked with my realtor friends and down here in Florida, where we live, we're just between the Sarasota Tampa area. Houses are on the market for hundreds of days. I see houses have $100,000 price drops multiple times um, and they're just not selling. 
but I talked to my friend who's a realtor in, in New York and he says that houses are still selling for 50,000 over asking hmm. because there's just absolutely no inventory, which is just interesting because different pockets of the country do different things. Well, like even what, the state. The state. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that's just, you know, like what you mentioned, find people who really know and zero in on that area and find out what the market is like in that area too. I think that's a, a huge helper. Um, yeah, definitely. You want to find Connie's where there are more people, more people want to go in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Laura has a quick question. Um, do you ever worry about zoning or do you only stick to a certain zoning for the land? Cause I feel like once you get into some of these land deals or you're trying to build something on it, like the town or somebody can come in and be like, no, no, no. So what's your kind of take on that? Yeah, probably do, um, you know, just mostly residential uh, vacant. Residential vacant. That's what yep. they call it, right? And uh, I don't do much of industrial or commercial, not even too much. Uh, mainly uh, two things, uh, residential or sometimes they call it agricultural, right? In Hawaii, mm -hmm. they are agricultural, but they call it agricultural uh they're residential but they call it agricultural um but most likely like is this too yeah right yeah and so one question i i know i hear often what are things i don't buy so like for an example wetlands mm. <clears throat> right are there any other flags red flags to stay away from these certain pieces of property if it's like wetlands i know for sure is usually a big one uh you can buy any land as long as there is similar lot sold nearby, right? I used to tell people, don't buy wetland, don't buy landlocked. I have a friend who bought the landlocked for 500 bucks. He sold it for 35,000, right? <laughs> yeah, because, you know, there might be worth something to the neighbors, right? You never know. So you just have to look at before you buy it. Look, uh, if the land has some special, like, uh, special thing about the land like wetland is in the flood zone is uh landlocked is in the slope it's a lot of trees is the shape is kind of weird you know uh all those land you can buy as long as two condition either or right either you don't pay a lot of money to it right uh you can afford to risk it you know and uh, you can afford to lose it or you see some land, similar lot so nearby, and now you can turn this advantage to advantage because you can tell the seller, hey, your land is landlocked. That's probably don't worth too much. Mm. Oh, goodness. You can sell it to the, the price, uh, this, the price uh, you want. Mm. Yeah, because I knew with landlocked, that means where they don't have any road access. Sometimes that could be a troublesome thing. But what Ray is talking about, maybe one of the neighbors who their lot connects to that would be the buyer, mm. right? Yeah. Even not the neighbor, because in the states, um, most of the states, it's illegal to keep a property landlocked. The neighbor legally has to give you access. Mm. So there got to be an easement, right? So they give you the easement to go into the lot you bought. Maybe some weird, weird guy, you know, maybe me, right? I just want, don't want to be bothered, right? So don't bother. I want to go into my safe, safe house, right? So they go to the landlock property. They just want to be alone, right? So those, so there are some people buying it. Right? Interesting. 
Wow. Yeah. Well, the, the main thing is you are not the market. Don't predict the market like what you like. Yeah. Yeah. My gosh. You dropped so many gems today. So I hope if you're listening, you can go back and catch the replay again um, from mirroring and connecting with people on a human level. We always talk about that and just really caring. And then also just giving us some just sage advice, right? Plan it all out. <laughs> Don't just get in the in the airplane and fly up there without an actual plan. Uh, you had it all, you know, figured out before you even did that. So that was an awesome yeah. story that you shared with us. You shared so many stories today. Yeah, it's always good to be with Joe and uh, your daughter, Joe. You know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know what, guys? If you want to hear more, because Ray always has the most awesome stuff he shares, yeah. you got to give him a follow Go on follow. social media. Ray, where's the best place uh, our our followers could follow you? Um, because if you don't, you're missing out. You got to check out what Ray's got going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just go to Instagram, and um, my tag there is uh, Virtual Flipland. Uh, one word, Virtual Flipland. So Virtual Flipland, give Ray a follow. He shares a ton of great advice on his channel, a lot of great wins, some really amazing stories. That's how we were following him on that mm -hmm. one where he flew to New York. And that's just like the tip of the iceberg, guys. He's got so much other great things to share. So, yeah. Um, Thank you so much, Ray. You know, we are, we really are excited to bring the best of the best on our podcast. So thank you so much for taking your time. And I hope you can enjoy the uh, beautiful weather. And we're, our sun is out today. So we're excited for that. And we'll see you next month in a couple of weeks, really. Yeah. See you at the thank Family you, Mastermind. Awesome. Thank you, we'll take thank care. You, and everybody else, you'll be able to find the recording on YouTube, Creative Finance Playbook with Joe and Jen, and also wherever you listen to your podcasts. So. Thank you guys Thank so you. much, and we'll see you next week. Thank you, Ray, so Bye. much for coming, and uh, we'll see Bye. you guys soon. <laughs> Bye. Bye.